This is our sixth session on 2, 19 to 24. And last time we spent the entire session on verse 21. And I said, we're going to spend one more whole session on it because of the challenge of that phrase right there. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So here's my question. Is it always wrong to seek your own interests, or is it sometimes right and sometimes wrong, or what does it mean to seek your own interests? Because even when Jesus taught us in Mark 8, 34 and 35 to deny ourselves, look how he argued. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Now, surely that would be something like, don't seek your own interests. Seek those of Jesus Christ, right? So self-denial is Surely something like what he's talking about here. These people aren't doing self-denial. They're all wrapped up in seeking their own interests. And so Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself if you're going to come after me. You've got to take up your cross, an instrument of execution and suffering, and follow me on the Calvary road. But then look how he argues. Because if you don't, if you try to save your life now, and avoid self-denial, and avoid the cross, and avoid following me on the road of affliction, if you try to save your life like that, you're going to lose it. And you don't want to lose it. See how he's arguing? Or here it is again. But whoever loses his life now, that is, takes up his cross, is willing to die, denies himself many things in this life for the sake of others, follows him on the road of affliction. Whoever loses his life in that way, for my sake and the gospels, will save it. Yay! I am saved. Well, what could be more to my own interest, to my own benefit than eternal rescue from perishing. So there's the issue, right? Is it always wrong to save your life? Save your life. There's, there's a wrong way to save it and a right way to save it, evidently. If you save it this way, you lose it. If you lose it that way, you save it. So... Father, I pray that as we try to understand what Paul is opposing here, that you would give us really clear biblical insight and help us to live this, because it's, it's huge in how we live the Christian life. So they seek their own interests. Now, we know that we have seen those words back here in chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. There it is, the exact phrase. Only look at this. Here's this little word, only, in the Greek, also. And there is some argument about whether that's an original word, but let's go with it for now as a pointer to the fact that there is a way 
to seek your own interest that does not contradict what Paul is calling for here. Don't only seek your own interests, seek the interests of others. What if, what if my own interests are precisely finding joy in meeting the needs of others? Look at these verses. We looked at these earlier, but let's look at them again. Just before the paragraph about Timothy even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. We can paraphrase it like this. Even if I am going to deny my pursuit of my own interests and die, so my being poured out as a drink offering, even if I am to die, that would be not seeking your own interests, right? I'm willing to die for your faith. Even if I am going to die and deny myself and not look out for my own temporal interests here, but rather live for the sacrificial offering of your faith so that your faith would would flourish as I die, I am glad. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, Paul. Are you seeking your own interests here or are you? Because you just said, if, if I do this, I'm glad. So he, he knows that in suffering or denying himself here, he's not only living for their faith, he loves living for their faith. And then he tells them, okay, if my joy is in even dying for your faith's flourishing, what should your joy be in? And he says, likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. So your joy should be in my gladness in your faith. Your joy in my joy in your faith and my joy in the joy of your faith. So I cannot come to this passage and say, don't seek your own interests and think it means an absolute self-denial. That is, there's no joy to be had in living for the things of Jesus Christ. That's absolutely wrong. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Though I bestow all, this is the old King James, KJV, and I chose it because uh, love seeks not her own is clearer here as a parallel. Though I bestow all my goods on the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, love, it profiteth me nothing. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeks not her own, seeks not its own. That's the same phraseology as back here when they seek their own. That's bad, Paul says, and it's bad here. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't seek her own. And yet, look how he argues here. If you give away your goods to feed the poor, and if you give your body to be burned and you don't have love, you get no profit. It profits you nothing. Whoa, wait a minute. I thought you weren't supposed to seek your own profit. No, no. When you see something like that, you stand back and you say, okay, I get it in view of all these other texts and the context here, seeking her own must mean her own private, limited benefit at the 
expense of others, not in others. What if I find, what if love finds her own joy in the good of others instead of at the expense of others? And what if it's not a private and limited good just for itself, but an expansive public good that includes others in it? Then it's not wrong. In fact, that's the essence of what love is, I would say. Here it is again, 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So don't seek your own. That's, that's just the same as back here. Seek their own interest. Bad, bad, bad. And here in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it's bad. Don't seek your own interest. Seek the good of others. Here's the, here's the example. If someone says to you, this meat that I'm offering you now at my house where you've come to visit me, this has been offered as a sacrifice, then don't eat it. Don't seek your own appetite's fulfillment. Deny yourself that eating. That's what that means right there. That's the most immediate application. Don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. Live for his good, not just your private meat satisfaction. Give no offense to the Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of many, that they may be saved. So Paul says, I deny myself many pleasures in order that people would be saved. But what happens if they get saved? <laughs> what is Paul aiming at when he wants to save people? Look at Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, stand from thus in the Lord. If people get saved in Paul's ministry, they are his joy, even if it cost him his life. Even if he had to deny himself over and over again, so many things, so much suffering he embraced, they are his joy and his crown. He's not giving up joy. He's seeking it in the good of others instead of at the expense of others. Here it is again, Romans 15, 1, 1 to 3. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So don't, don't assume that you can get your way over against weak people in the faith. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Take their needs into account and deny yourself. Let each of you please his neighbor for his good, his ultimate salvation, to build him up for argument, Christ did not please himself. Now there is the massive, deep, glorious foundation. Christ lived a life of self-denial. As it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. That's Jesus saying, I will endure all the reproaches necessary in order to save my people and be successful in my redemption. And what sustained him in that? Hebrews 12, 2. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him, 
endured the cross. Oh, Jesus didn't say, well, I guess there's no joy in the path of suffering. I guess there's no joy in the path of obedience. No, no, no. It was the very joy at the end of the path of obedience that sustained him in suffering and enabled him to endure the cross and despise the shame and sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you can see that we'll end here with Philippians 2. Well, you go back to 2, 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Oh, yes, live for the interests of others, even if it costs you your life. There is self-denial, but not ultimate self-denial. And then he gives Jesus as the example. Have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, oh, he had so much pleasure and so much security and comfort and glory in heaven. And he lays so much aside. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, which is what we're called to do over and over again in this life, denying ourselves many things for the sake of others by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself, became obedient unto the point of death even death on a cross. That's what Paul said. If I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, the way Jesus was poured out on the cross for our salvation, I am glad. And Jesus knew this was coming. He knew this was coming, right? Therefore, because of all that self-denial, therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him a name that is above every name. That's the the joy that was set before him for which he endured the cross. So my conclusion is that when Paul says they all seek their own interests, he means they seek their, their private, limited Interest, good, benefit at the expense of others, not through the good of others. So my argument is there is nothing wrong. Indeed, not only is it not wrong, it is necessary and essential that we seek our joy in the interests, those of Jesus Christ which are the interests of others, that we lay down our lives, that we love others as we love ourselves, that we be willing to deny ourselves in order that others benefit. And we find our joy in those benefits that others receive through our lives. Few things are more satisfying than to do what I did this morning. I went to visit a a dying friend in the hospital, and it was totally not in my schedule. I got the call early this morning. It was inconvenient. It required me changing my clothes when I was ready to get to work. I had to get in the car, to drive to the hospital, I had to find a parking place, I had to walk in there, I had to sit down, and I spent about 15 minutes loving Jesus with this woman and pouring out everything I could think of about how God has comforted me in my sorrows and help her get ready to die. And when I came home, I was thrilled to have been so interrupted in my own interest. You know what I'm talking about. You know the taste of this joy. Let's live for it.